All right, would you take your Bibles, please, and join me in John chapter 17. We finished up family camp last week, and what a blessing it was to have Brother Dave Sommerdorf with us. Amen. And thank you to all who were able to attend. I hate that many of you could not, but I hope you at least will go online and watch the recording of that. Every family needs that series of messages. We are now in chapter 17, or maybe I should say we are still in chapter 17, as we make our way through the gospel according to John. And this entire chapter is our Lord praying, many call it the great high priestly prayer of Christ, because He is close now. It is this night that He will be betrayed. He will be put on trial. He will be scourged. They will lead Him up to Golgotha, nail Him to a cross, and there He will give His life a ransom for many. Be buried in a grave, but thank God three days later He'll rise again. Forty days after that, He'll ascend to the Father, and now He's there at the Father's right hand where He's making intercession for us. He's now functioning as our great high priest. Let's begin this morning by reading verses 14 through 19. The Bible says in John chapter 17, beginning in verse 14, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Let me give you just a quick recap before we jump into today's thought. The main emphasis from last time was how we have been called out from the world. We are left in the world for a purpose, but we are no longer of the world. The things of this world are no longer to capture our attention. And as we seek to do the will of God and as we share Christ with others, Jesus says the world's going to hate you. Don't get attached to this world. Amen. Don't get attached to the things of this world. Don't set your affections. There is nothing upon this earth that is worth setting your affections upon. We need to set our affections on things that are above. Because guess what? You can't take anything with you when you die. Here we are laboring for stuff and we cannot take it with us. You're going to die. You're going to give it to somebody else. And one day the Bible says it's all going to be burned up anyway. So I would tell you, just go ahead and sell out for God. Let's say you started working at the age of 16. I know some of you started well before that, but in today's world, it's hard to find employment until you hit the age of 16. At least that's what we're finding with Luke. I'm trying to kick this boy out of the house as fast as I can. And no one will hire him because he's still 15. But he magically has a license. Something's wrong with the state of South Dakota on that one. And so I'm going to rack up how much I'm paying on his insurance. He's going to pay me back. All right, anyway. Let's say you started working at the age of 16 and you live to be the average age of 78.87 years. We'll round that up to 79 for easy math. You have about 63... You're close, brother. (laughs) Don't you laugh. You're over. (laughs) Amen. 
you have about 63 years to acquire stuff, to make money. How long is 63 years in light of eternity? It's nothing. Now you have a decision to make. Are you going to gobble up as much as you can in those 63 years? None of which you can take with you. Or will you send ahead all that you can to heaven? You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead by laying up treasures in heaven. Will you give your life to God for Him to use your life for His glory? Will you give your time and your talent and your treasures to the Lord? Will you give to missions? As we seek to reach the world and send missionaries out, and will you go above and beyond your tithes and your offerings and give to missions? Will you use your resources to reach more souls for Christ? You can't take stuff with you, but you can lay up treasure in heaven. And what greater treasure can you take with you to heaven than other souls? Wouldn't it be wonderful to enter into glory knowing that there are people there because we reach them for the cause of Christ? We can't save them, but we can sure take them to Christ to be saved. Well, Jesus says here in verse 14, I have given them thy word. And I briefly mentioned last time how everything begins with the word of God. Creation was the result of God's word. And if you missed Sunday school this morning, Brother DeGarmo did an awesome job there in Colossians chapter 1. I encourage you to go listen to that podcast once I get it uploaded. Creation is a result of God's Word. All creation functions and it's held together by the Word of His power, the Bible says. We're born again by the Word of God. It is by the Word of God that we grow and we mature. And it is by the Word of God we see today in verses 17 through 19 that we are sanctified. In verse 17, Jesus prayed, Sanctify them through Thy truth. Thy Word is truth. In verse 19, Jesus prayed that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Would you agree this morning, Jesus wants us to be sanctified? Amen. That's what He wants of us. So what does it mean to be sanctified? Well, I'll give you two sources of definitions. The Strong's Concordance defines sanctify here as to make holy, to purify, to consecrate. And this Greek word is also translated in our King James Bible as hallow and holy. I decided to look up this word in Webster's 1828 Dictionary, and it agrees with Strong's Concordance. He first defines sanctify as to cleanse, purify, or make holy. He then defines it as to separate, to set apart, or appoint to a holy, sacred, or religious use. And what's great about the 1828 dictionary, you may, be want, you may wonder why so many preachers reference it, because Noah Webster would use Scripture in his definitions to help us understand it. And he uses John 17, 17 as his reference when he defines sanctify this way, to cleanse from corruption, to purify from sin. To make holy by detaching the affections from this world and its defilements and exalting them to the supreme love of God. And that definition really fits the idea of this passage because Jesus has just talked about we're no longer of the world. Overall, I think most people are content to just say sanctify means to set apart. But we are set apart with a holy purpose. If we are going to be set apart, we must first learn to come apart. 
The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, 17 and 18, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. And from that passage, we can say that what identifies, not what makes us, but what identifies us as a son or daughter of God is when we come out and we separate ourselves from the world. And I think at this point it becomes necessary to distinguish the difference between justification and sanctification. Our salvation is not earned through the process of sanctification. We are not justified through sanctification. We are justified the moment we place our faith and trust in Christ alone for salvation. In our justification, it's just as if we have never sinned. What this does is it secures our standing before God for all eternity. But our sanctification can only begin after we have been justified. You don't become more and more justified. You're either justified or you're not. You're either saved or you're lost. You're either guilty or not guilty. You're either condemned or not condemned. There's no middle ground when it comes to our justification. John 3.18 says, He that believeth on Him, speaking of Jesus, is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Romans 8.1 tells us that therefore there is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. We do not become righteous before we are declared righteous. If that were possible, Jesus had no reason to come and die on the cross and shed His blood for our sins. If we could make ourselves righteous, then why did Christ come to die? We cannot earn our salvation. You see, it is God that declares us righteous In Christ, and it is Christ's righteousness which is then imputed to us. Christ, who knew no sin, became sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. But the problem is, many are looking to their own self righteousness and they've convinced themselves that they cannot even darken the door of a church until they have attained some level of righteousness. Some standard that they have placed upon their life, they convince themselves that they cannot partake in anything with the Christian life until they get to this bar that they've set, whatever the standard is, that they deem necessary in order to be accepted. And they act as if salvation is based upon their own righteousness. But Jesus said in Matthew 9.13, I will have mercy and not sacrifice... For I am, come to call, I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And I'm simply saying as we start this message, never confuse justification and sanctification. You must understand the two before you begin to grow. Because if you don't get justification figured out, you're never going to go on to sanctification. You can never start that process until you've been justified. Now justification is one point in time. Sanctification is an ongoing process. In justification, we brought nothing to the table. 
We could not save ourselves. We were not righteous enough. We brought nothing. It was a free gift from God. He did everything. But in sanctification, there's an effort that we must put forth. Is everybody with me? There's an effort on your part. It's not an effort of fleshly power. It is an effort on our part to live the Spirit-filled life. The Bible says in Philippians 2, 12 and 13, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. You see, it's God that works in us. Amen. But we must put forth the effort. It's a process. And those of us in Christ know we need to be sanctified after salvation because it wasn't long after our salvation until we sinned. Unless y'all are perfect and I didn't get the memo. It wasn't long after salvation that we sinned and we realized something is not right. The difference now though is there's guilt. After that justification, we commit sin and there's guilt, there's, there's shame there. We know we've done wrong in the sight of God. And while our standing is secure through justification, we realize very quickly, very early in our Christian life, that something is wrong, that we need something more to live this life below. And listen, I, I know what I'm talking about because people come and say, well, I, I did this, but I don't feel saved anymore. Of course you don't. You sinned, you haven't grown enough to understand the process of justification and sanctification. And of course you feel guilty. That's a good sign. That's what I tell people. Praise God, you feel bad. If you didn't feel bad, then I don't believe you ever got it to begin with. And so we need something more while we live in this flesh. And every true child of God will recognize the fact that what we need is sanctification. We need to become holy. We need to be getting victory over sin in this life through the power of God. We need lives which demonstrate that we've been justified. We need to learn to crucify the flesh. We need to learn that in me that is in my flesh there dwelleth no good thing. We must learn not to let sin reign in our mortal body. That we should obey the lust thereof. We must learn that we need to draw closer to God day after day. God has predestinated all of His children to be conformed into the image of Christ. We're under renovation. It is the work of God through sanctification to change us into what we declare to be. Now we see in our text that the means by which we are sanctified is the Word of truth. It is God's Word. The Holy Bible. This is what we need in order to be sanctified. It's how God has chosen to do this. Everything about our Christian life centers around the Word of God. I've said that for two sermons now in this particular section. I mentioned Wednesday night. How blessed we are to live in a time in history when we have a completed Word of God. Just think about that. The Word of God in our generation is available to whosoever will try to get a copy. At least in America it is. And almost all the way around the world. For some 5,500 years, the Word of God was not available to be personally owned by the average family. 
folks like you and I. There were scrolls that were kept at the synagogue. There were scrolls that were kept here and there. But now, thanks to God's goodness and technological advancements, God's Word is available to almost everybody. And when we consider how we grow by the Word of God, how we are sanctified by the Word of God, and how all of us here can have a copy of God's Word, and I'll bet you everybody here does, how is it that we are witnessing such apostasy in so-called Christendom? That baffles my mind. How is it that the first century church, how is it that the first century church could turn their world upside down and they didn't even have a New Testament? They didn't walk around with a Bible on their side. Amen. They didn't even probably have a church building. They didn't have a bus ministry. They didn't have an academy. And yet, here's a group of men that turned the world upside down. And we can't even reach our Jerusalem. Preach it, preacher. In some cases, we don't even reach our own families. How is it that a group of people could turn the world upside down with far less than we've ever had? And look at, what ha- look at what's happening in America. We are in the great falling away. We're witnessing it before our very eyes. And it just blows my mind that they were able to accomplish so much. And you know why? They were sold out for God. God isn't interested necessarily in these people that have this great amount of knowledge. But what God is interested in is in our heart. That we are sold out for Him and that we want Him to do a work among us. Now, that being said, I think we all understand that ultimately the decision is with the individual. They have to make a decision on whether or not they accept Christ. I can raise my kids in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, but ultimately it's going to be their decision. They have a free will. But the answer as to why we're not as effective in the 21st century as they were back in the 1st century is very simple. And it's this, we are not living the Word of God. Did you hear what I said? We are not living the Word of God. Oh, we know it. We've got it on our walls at the house. We've got it on our screensavers. We've got little decals everywhere. We know it, but we are not living it. And nothing makes living the Word of God more observable than sanctification. Someone may say they're born again by the Word of God and I can't see their their heart. I don't know if that's true. Amen? I can't see whether or not they're saved. Someone may say they are growing in their faith, and I don't know, maybe it's just an intellectual growth because there's nothing being demonstrated outwardly. But when somebody says they're being sanctified by the Word of God, there is proof. When someone is sanctified, it's clearly observable. It's undeniable in a believer's life. And while we can say that the new birth and our growth and our sanctification is all tied together, and it ultimately is, what demonstrates that we have experienced the new birth, what demonstrates that we're growing in Christ, is our sanctification. It's when we look different. It's when we act different. It's when we speak different. It's when we do different activities. Now don't let that freak you out. I don't wear a suit outside of the pulpit. 
We're not those kind of clowns. I hear about these independent Baptists that are so high on themselves, they wear their suits to the beach. What are you doing? You look like a complete buffoon. All right. But it is when we look different. In the strictest sense of the word, our sanctification begins with our new birth. It continues as we grow in the word of truth, and it is also manifested as we become more and more sanctified. It would stand to reason that any who have been truly born again will begin to show signs of sanctification over time. Isn't that right? If you tell me you've been born again, I don't know. But it would stand to reason if you're born again, over time, and we all grow differently at different speeds, different levels, but over time, there ought to be evidence of the new birth. So what do we do with those who make professions of faith, but seemingly go no further? I've been blessed to dunk a lot of people claiming to be saved and baptize them, and a lot of them are not here. What do you do with that? Well, I'm not their judge when it comes to their salvation. That belongs to God. He'll decide their eternal destination and what happened in the heart. But certainly we can be like John the Baptist who was judging their fruit. This is what Jesus taught us. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 16-20, Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. We know a tree is good or corrupt by the fruit they produce. And Jesus taught this, a good tree cannot bring forth corrupt fruit. And a corrupt tree cannot bring forth good fruit. Therefore, you this morning can see whether you be in the faith by the kind of fruit you're producing. When we welcome a new family member through birth or through the adoption process, there's no denying a new life has showed up. Amen. That little guy's in there screaming his head off. We can observe them grow as they gain intellectual knowledge. But we know that they are identifying with us as they become aware that they are representing us and our law. My parents welcomed me into their home. Thank God. And not everybody's upbringing was the same. I was very blessed, and so this may not resonate with all of you. But... I was welcomed into their home. They watched me grow as they met met my physical needs. And my dad kept telling me, stop eating a whole box of cereal for breakfast. Why do you need three peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for lunch? Because I'm a grown boy. I still am. Amen, brother. They met my physical needs. But it was when I understood that I was a representation of the name on the back of my jersey did I begin to become a Brooks by action. And I always remind my kids, don't forget the name on the back of your jersey. Don't forget whose team you're on. It's when I started to obey my parents. 
Now, the process of sanctification doesn't happen right away, and the process of me obeying my parents willingly did not happen right away. It was not instantaneous, but it was a process. There was a lot of tanned hide along the way. There was a lot of grab your ankles. My dad used the rod to drive the foolishness out of my heart. That's Bible. That's Bible. My dad knew how to use the rod. My mom knew how to use whatever was in her hand. Somebody say, who would you rather get spanked by, your mom or your dad? Dad. I knew where it was going to be applied. With mom, you just don't know. Man, this woman could have been an aborigine. She had a can of carpet cleaner in her hand, and I'm dead running it out of that house. And she on a, I'm on a dead sprint, and she takes that can. Whoosh, you wait till your dad gets home. I can't wait till he gets home because he does it right. <laughs> Mom, I know you're watching. Do you remember the Zorro gun belt? All right. Now, in her mind, it's still a belt, so it's all good. No, no, no. Not when the guns are still in the holster. All right, anyway. <laughs> there was a lot of counsel. There was a lot of work. Some of you may look at somebody's kids and go, man, y'all sure were blessed to have those kind of kids. No, no. They came from the womb speaking lies, and it just took a lot of work and a lot of counsel. It is the receiving and the practicing of the principles which my parents raised me in, receiving them, practicing them, that would cause them to one day look at their son and say, that's my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. What had to happen? I had to become set apart to their standards. I had to be set apart to their rules. I hope this is making sense. When you are born again, you're a child of God, and your standing as God's child is secure. When you were born or adopted into your family, nothing will change the fact that you are a part of that family by name. But I can tell you through my own personal experience and my own personal upbringing, there is a deeper relationship that awaits when we begin to willingly obey the Word of our earthly father. And now we are beginning to live like we are a part of that family. When a child lives in rebellion to their family name and the family law, the family will have no choice but to say, yeah, that's, that's my child. It's, but they will not do so with joy. But if they will live by the standards set forth by their earthly father, if they will live by his word, then the parents will know that their children have received it and that they are being conformed to it. The book of Proverbs says, receive instruction. It says, my son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. But you have to receive the word of truth. This is why John the Beloved wrote in 3 John verses 3 and 4, For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. What was happening? They were sanctified. And for this reason, I'm not big on reporting the amount of people that we claim we have led to Christ. I know some churches in our stripe that do that and they parade people up in every ministry and they claim how many they've led to the Lord and God bless them, I hope that's true. I do rejoice in that. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. 
But that's not the main thing here that, that I'm trying to preach. Understand what the Bible is saying. Professions of faith are great. Amen. Dunking them in the baptistry is great. Amen. But there is no greater joy as your pastor than to know that you are walking in truth. That means you are receiving the preaching of God's Word. You are beginning to conform to the message of God's Word. You are walking in truth. There's no greater joy. Man, I love when people come down and they give their heart to Christ. I love when people come down and they get baptized. But there is something precious about that one who 20 years later is still by your side saying, Preacher, we love you. They're still serving God. What's happening? They are being sanctified. They are walking in truth. They're forsaking the things of this world. When you become sanctified, you are no longer living according to your own law. But you are now living according to God's truth. I want you to get this verse. Hebrews 6, 9 says, But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you. What better things? Things that accompany salvation. There is an expectation for the child of God. An expectation of better things than the one who is still in the world. There is an expectation of things that accompany salvation. There ought to be evidence of your sanctification. There ought to be evidence of your salvation. You say you're saved? Then live like it. And stop fighting the process of sanctification. We rejoice when our children finally learn to obey. We really rejoice when they begin to obey willingly. We rejoice when they begin to do those better things that accompany being in the family. How do we get there? It's as we are sanctified by the word of truth. We could stop. We could do an entire series on this. And I'm going to try not to. I'm going to quickly give you some things that will be a blessing to you to help you in your sanctification. The Bible says in Psalm 119 and verse 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed according to thy word. Psalm 119 verse 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. From those two passages we can see that we are cleansed by the word as we obey it. We are kept by sins as we memorize it. If we want to be sanctified, if we want to be sanctified, if we want to be holy, if we want to be clean, then we must hide God's word in our heart. In Ephesians 5, we learn that Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it that He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word. Jesus said in John 15, 3, Now are ye clean through the Word which I have spoken unto you. Psalm 119, verses 97-105 through 105 say, Oh, how I love Thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Now, as I keep reading this, I want you to listen to how this psalmist has been sanctified. Thou, through thy commandments, has made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I have kept thy precepts. I have refrained my feet from every evil way, that I might keep thy word. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
You see this morning, the law of the Lord is perfect. The testimony of the Lord is sure. The statutes of the Lord are right. The commandments of the Lord is pure. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. We don't just need the word of truth for salvation, although that's where many people leave it. But we need the word of truth for everyday life. It is the means of our sanctification. And our sanctification is the means by which we have credibility to preach to others. Brother Long's over in Africa right now and he just preached a few hours ago. I don't know the time difference. He said, pray for me that it will be received. I said, brother, it will be received because you have been sanctified by the Word of God and it can be seen in your life that you're walking with God, that there's a difference. That's how you're affected. That's why we're not turning the world upside down. There is little evidence that says we have been with the Savior. It is our sanctification which identifies us as children of God. This is why we must be doers of the Word and not just hearers only. Jesus prayed here, sanctify them through Thy truth. Thy Word is truth. We must not only be in the Word of God, but the Word of God must be in us. Did you hear what I said? We aren't just to be in the Word of God, but the Word of God is to be in us if we're going to have a sanctified life. We must read it, study it, memorize it, meditate upon it every day. You do your part, you put forth the effort, and then you watch as God begins to work in you and through you to sanctify you, to do His good pleasure. But as Charles Spurgeon wrote, the truth is the sanctifier. And if we do not hear or read the truth, we shall not grow in sanctification. What does that mean? It means you need to be under the preaching of God's Word. You need to be faithful to church. And you need to be in the Word of God every day. That's what it means. Read it. Can I tell you? Read the Word of God purposefully. Don't just read it to check a box. I'm all for reading our Bible through in a year, and I'll continue to promote that. But I'm telling you, for some of you, it would be far more valuable if you would just get a hold of one verse, read it throughout the day, chew on it, meditate on it, memorize it, and just let that thing begin to feed you. Because what so many do is they quickly read through their three to four chapters a day, check their boxes, and they think they've done God a service, and that's the end of it. You're not going to get sanctified that way. Do your part. The King James Bible is the only one left that tells us to study the Word of God. All the other modern English versions have taken it out. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman. you got to put effort. It's a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, For this cause also we thank God without ceasing, because when we received the word of God which He heard of us, He received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. It's the word of God that wants to work in you. Those of you who say you have been justified this morning, are you also being sanctified? It's the word of truth you need. 
Are you allowing the word of truth to effectually work in you? Now be honest. Be honest with God. You don't have to be honest with me. Be honest with God. Are you even in the Word of God? Are you honestly taking time to be in the Word of God? Are you giving the Word of God a chance to sanctify you? And finally, can people identify you as a disciple of Christ because you are being sanctified? We need the Word of God to effectually work through us if we're going to have credibility to the world out there. Let's pray.